In the name of God who creates, redeems, and sanctifies. Amen. Please sit. In our home, like in yours, there are things, objects, that if you took a spin around even just the living room, around the first floor, would tell you pieces of our story that you might not know just from sort of meeting us in the world. I was looking around it yesterday and saw a picture from years ago, the first time I took Lynn to New Haven to meet my friends. And there's a little purple glass bird that I bought in a shop in Madison up the coast where they only sell art that's been created by adults who have mental and physical disabilities, a place that we're really fond of. And then next to that, there's this little sort of ceramic, looks like a cathedral from my time in El Salvador that you can pull the top off and there's a scene of the nativity on the inside. Like your home, I would imagine. There are things like that, that if you took a careful look at them, would tell you pieces about our story that are not sort of readily evident. Because in our homes, we're hopefully the same people, but sort of different. There's a different side of us that gets revealed, particularly when people come to visit us in our homes, because it's hopefully, um, sort of softer, gentler, comfortable space. Again, it, hopefully if we're doing it right, we're the same person, but it's almost a different side of us. You get to know a different piece of us if you walk into our story, if you look around, if you pay attention. I'll give you an example. You'll be shocked to know I don't wear my collar around the house all the time. <laughs> but we do pray before dinner, and if you look carefully next to the front door, the first thing you'll see is a cross that a priest gave me when I went off to seminary and an image of Joan of Arc protecting the house. Right? So different. And still our faith and our life and our story is kind of woven into it. And I was thinking a lot about home this week. And so I was also thinking about the ways that we come into each other's spaces, the way that we come into each other's homes. And there's really sort of just two postures, I think, in general. And one of them is, you know, the friends and family that maybe don't have to call and tell you they're coming over. Or maybe they give you a heads up and you leave the door open and they just kind of walk in, right? And you know what the door sounds like when they walk in and you're not worried about what you're doing and you're not worried about what the house looks like. It's just sort of this comfortable, easy, joyful thing. And then the other posture is totally on the other end of the spectrum, right? And it's awkward at best. It's when people either A, stop by when you're not expecting them, and you or the house is not ready, or they do that sort of awkward hover on the doorstep, like, I'm not really going to come in, you know, and you do this little song and dance where they kind of maybe stick their heads in, and, and you, you can't decide if you want them to come in, and they can't decide if they want to come in, and really everyone just leaves thinking that was awkward. <laughs> Two postures to visiting and sharing each other's space. In the gospel this morning, we hear a lot about Jesus. Just like every other gospel passage in Epiphany, this text is trying to show us something about Jesus that we need to see to understand him and his place in the world. And almost every line of the passage has something else to show us. The highlights are John calling him the Lamb of God and sending the disciples to follow him, the translation that tells us he's anointed, the words that say he's Messiah, but what actually is most fascinating to me about this text is what is not there. 
And it starts with a bit of an awkward conversation of its own. Jesus realizes that the disciples are following him, and he says, what are you looking for? And there's at least 10 sermons just in that line. What are you looking for? Don't worry, I won't preach them all this morning. And they don't answer the question, do they? They don't tell him what they're looking for. They say, Rabbi, where are you staying? Which is sort of an awkward question. And he says, come and see. And they do, which is also a little strange. Now, I don't know what it's like in your house, but if I had ever brought my friends home to my house and not called my mother first, I probably wouldn't be here. And of course, there were no cell phones, right? No way to tell Mary, so maybe her house was perfect. I don't know. Um, but he brings his friends, his new disciples, theoretically home. We don't know exactly where he is, but it seems from the text, from, from the context of the rest of the stories around, that he's probably in the countryside, which means that when they say, where are you staying? And he says, come and see. He probably is taking them to his family home in Nazareth. He's probably taking them to the place where he grew up because people didn't really move around and trade one house for another, and he probably wasn't renting a cool flat in Jerusalem. So he took them home. And I just want to imagine that for a minute. What do you think Jesus was like at home? What do you think he did on the way? Did he talk to strangers on the way? Did he cast out demons? Did he give money to the poor? Did he invite the neighbors over for dinner? When he got there, did he laugh with his brothers? Did he laugh with his sisters? Did he help his mother in the kitchen? Did he say the prayer over supper? If it was the Sabbath, did he say the blessing over dinner? What was it like to follow him home? The best part of this passage is sort of right in the middle. There's a line that says, they come and see and they remain with him. They come and see and they stay the whole day. And whatever it is that they see and experience on the way, whatever it is that they experience that day with him at home, it is enough to convince them to give over their whole lives. It's enough to convince them that he is the Messiah, the one coming into the world, the one that John says is the Lamb of God who makes a sacrifice for all of us, the one that Isaiah talks about in that first reading who it wasn't enough to just save God's people. Instead, this one is sent to save the whole world so that salvation might spread to the ends of the earth. Somehow, in the midst of this day, in the midst of this encounter, they realize that it's this one. And they give their whole life over. They follow him all through his ministry, all the way to the cross, and then after the resurrection, spend the whole rest of their lives, and some of them their deaths, proclaiming the good news that God has already won victory. Something intimate, something special happened for them in the way that they got to connect with Jesus on this one day. And I think it's harder for us who don't get to follow him into that house in Nazareth, who don't get to sort of see him and touch him and see the furniture he built with his father and wonder about whether he's a half-decent cook, which he probably wasn't. No, seriously, the women did all the cooking. He might have helped, but he probably wasn't very good at it. It's much harder for us to trace the outlines. 
But it is possible, I think, to move from that awkward doorstep hovering posture of a relationship to a deep, intimate, transformational, we share our lives, we're part of each other's family relationship. It's possible to shift from that sort of lingering, strange encounter where you're wondering whether you're going to go in or not, where you're wondering whether you're going to be invited in or not. It's possible to shift from that posture into a relationship with Jesus that is entirely different and that changes everything for you. It's just a little harder for us. But in much the same way as sort of shifting from um, sort of peripheral friend to intimate relationship, we have to invest. We have to be present. We have to choose relationship. We have to choose the ability to sort of walk together, to learn the stories, right? That's what makes the difference when you come to know people, when you find you're comfortable in their home. It's because you know where things are. You know when to help and when not to. You know how to not sort of be an extra thing they have to take care of. You know some of the stories of some of the things. You know some of the rituals. That's the difference. It's about time and relationship. And it's the same thing in the church. We have to invest enough to learn the rituals, to be part of the waters of baptism, to come to the table to eat, to study, to learn, to wonder, to ask questions, to be part of relationship and part of community. And that is what ultimately lets us see him for who he is. So the invitation of this text, as it always is, is to come and see and stay. What does it mean to follow him? What does it mean to stay with him? What does it mean to remain there and see him for who he is? Honestly, that image of him at home is so rich and human. Sometimes we get bogged down in this image of Messiah. These are huge words, and, and they have cosmic meaning, but at the end of the day, what he's inviting you to do is come inside, to come home, to be part of the story, to be part of the place where the light always shines in the darkness and where there is always room at the table. So I invite you this morning to consider your relationship with him now, not as it was years ago, not as you hope it will be years from now, but how it is today, this moment, this season. Are you sort of awkwardly standing on the doorstep, sticking your head in, kind of thinking about going in but not totally sure? Are the boundaries up? Are there questions you can't answer? It is possible to shift from that place to a place of intimate, transformational, deep, liberating relationship. All you have to do is come inside. So I invite you this morning, hear him say, come and see. But don't just follow him. Follow him and then stay with him. Follow him inside. Learn the stories, learn the customs. Know that you're made clean in the waters of baptism. Know that there's a place saved here for you at the table. Know that there's a place for you saved at the table in heaven. Come inside, come and see, and then stay. Amen.